Hi, and welcome to Case Scenarios for the World of Anatomy and Physiology. My name is Katie, and I'm excited to announce that I will be your very first podcast host for today's episode. With that being said, each episode we're going to explore various anatomical and physiological conditions and diseases. Now, with you the viewer in mind, we have brought you the most enjoyable and interactive learning experience where you can test your knowledge by the use of descriptions, context clues, and factual information that I will provide for you. To do this, I'm going to walk you through a scenario of a hypothetical patient's case, and it is your job to use what you learn along the way to predict and develop your own ideas and conclusions for each topic discussed throughout the episode. Because this is the first of the series, we are going to begin with a brief scenario so you can get a taste of the start-to-finish structure of each installment. And finally, as we continue to investigate the conditions and diseases of anatomy and physiology, we will dive deeper and deeper into each condition with fascinating and at times difficult case studies that will help you develop an even, even further understanding of how each condition is unique to its anatomical or physiological subject matter. To kick off the first podcast, we are going to investigate the most common congenital malformation of the central nervous system, spina bifida. By the end of this show, you should be able to, one, understand what spina bifida is, two, the causes of spina bifida, three, the testing and diagnosis of spina bifida, and finally, four, the outlook of spina bifida. Before we meet our first patient of the series, we must first discuss what spina bifida actually is. The term spina bifida literally means split spine in Latin and is, as I previously stated, the most common congenital malformation of the central nervous system. Specifically, it is a birth defect known as a neural tube defect where the tissue on the left and right side of the back that normally come over the spinal cord to protect, protect it don't completely meet up to form a nice seal which leaves behind various levels of an opening right down the middle of the lower back. This neural tube defect is described as a group of cells that are accountable for the composition of the spinal cord as well as the brain. Spina bifida occurs when there is a complication of this neural tube. To put this for you in terms of numbers, statistics show that approximately 1 to 2 people per 1,000 live births are born with spina bifida. Don't worry, we'll be meeting our patient very shortly, but first you must know the three types of spina bifida in order to effectively investigate this episode's case study. The three types of spina bifida are myelomeningocele, meningocele, and occulta. Myelomeningocele is the most severe of these three variations. In scientific terminology, myelomeningocele is a protrusion of the meninges and neural tissue through a defect in the vertebral column. It is typically associated with RL Chiari 2 malformation, where cerebral and brainstem tissue slip down into the opening at the base of the skull. This is also known as the foramen magnum. In severe cases of myelomeningocele, there is no skin at all, and the nerves of the spinal cord are exposed. We call this open spina bifida. Open spina bifida can cause some pretty serious harm to unprotected nerves and can also be a threat of infection. And, and in turn, often resulting in symptoms such as the loss of feeling or even paralysis in the area of the body below the impaired area. Now, we can move on to the least common form of spina bifida known as meningocele. Meningocele's de scientific definition can be defined as an obstruction of the membranes that cover the spine and part of the spinal cord through a bone defect in the vertebral column. 
Thus, prenatal spinal deformities result only in the meninges and slide into the openings between the disfigured vertebrae. Because the spinal cord itself isn't damaged, patients often don't experience the severe symptoms that are seen in myelomeningocele. And lastly, our third and final type of spina bifida I will be discussing with you is called spina bifida occulta. Spina bifida occulta is the most mild and common form of spina bifida. Spina bifida occulta is when a baby's spine doesn't completely gather during pregnancy and in turn is born with a small gap in the bones of the spine. It's also worth mentioning that health problems don't usually arise in those who develop spina bifida occulta. Okay, thanks so much for sticking with me through the brief rundown of spina bifida. We are now prepared to meet our first patient. Sarah is a 24-year-old pregnant woman who is 25 weeks along. She is at her doctor's for an assessment of his findings as a result of a 20-week routine ultrasound. Notably, due to an unplanned pregnancy, Sarah didn't find out she was pregnant until about eight weeks in. This isn't uncommon for most women not planning to get pregnant. She began to take prenatal vitamins as soon as she found out that she was pregnant, but hadn't taken any daily supplements prior, nor was prescribed folic acid. Thus far, she has not experienced any abnormal pregnancy symptoms that concerned her or her doctor. During Sarah's routine 20-week ultrasound, a few irregularities were detected that concerned the doctor enough to give her a fetal MRI shortly after. Her fetal MRI revealed a wound which extended from the thoracic level to the sacral level of the back. The MRI also revealed cerebral fluid in the brain, also known as also known as hydrocephalus, and found Chiari type 2 malformation as well that I had mentioned earlier. After hearing her results of the MRI at her 25-week assessment, Sarah was in absolute shock due to the fact she hadn't had any odd symptoms and had experienced a completely normal pregnancy thus far. As any concerned soon-to-be mother would, Sarah had many questions for her doc doctor, starting with if these results were her fault in any way, and how or if the pregnancy was going to move forward after hearing these findings. In answering Sarah's questions, she was told the exact cause of the three types of spina bifida is not known, but there are a few risk factors that women need to look out for while they are pregnant or planning to become pregnant. These include a deficiency in the vitamin B9 as well as folate supplementation, especially during fetal development. Because spina bifida is an open neural tube defect, this means that the closing, otherwise known as the caudal end of the neurotube, that shapes the spine neglects to close by day 26 to 28 during development, and could be before a woman even knows she's pregnant yet and therefore not taking any prenatal vitamins like our patient Sarah. Generally speaking, spina bifida can be discovered by various blood tests as well as other methods. For example, a blood test can detect levels of the maternal serum alpha-fetoprotein. Though in most cases, testing for spina bifida is usually made through the use of ultrasounds and in serious cases, a fetal MRI. So far, we have went through Sarah's symptoms, testing, and findings. Now using all of what we've learned about spina bifida, it is time for Sarah's diagnosis to be revealed. At her assessment, Sarah's doctor revealed that Sarah's baby has been diagnosed with the most severe type of spina bifida, myelomeningocele. Sarah and her doctor began to Sarah and her doctor began a plan to discuss her options in terms of treatment for the unborn child. Before we can find out Sarah's treatment plan, it is important to know that spina bifida is unique to each patient and each variation of the condition. 
Now, unfortunately, as of now, there isn't a cure for spina bifida, but there are a number of treatments available to help manage and prevent complications. For example, in some cases, if diagnosed before birth, the baby can receive in utero fetal surgery while still in the mother's womb to decrease the spinal defect. Most times, the myelomeningocele requires surgery to correct spinal defect and prevent infections that would cause further injury or trauma to exposed spinal cord and nerves. So going back to Sarah's case, her doctor gave her an option of two different paths to take. These included the option to terminate her pregnancy due to the severity of the case, or she could choose the surgical route, which requires in utero fetal surgery. Sarah knew that she wanted to keep this baby and wanted to do anything it took to help her child's chances of living a normal and healthy life, and so she gave her the doctor the go-to to do the surgery. In utero fetal surgery for spina bifida isn't considered a cure, but studies suggest that prenatal reconstruction may suggest a considerably greater outcome than surgery that occurs after the baby is first born. Fetal surgery can also lessen the need to redirect the fluid from the brain and as a result boosts flexibility and improves the chances that a child will be able to walk on their own. Soon after Sarah's assessment, the day came where it was time for her surgery. During the procedure, the cystic membrane of the spinal lesion was removed and the skin folds were surgically arranged to close the site of the obstruction and create somewhat of a shield for the growing spinal cord. Afterwards, her surgery was deemed a success, and the rest of Sarah's pregnancy went smoothly. Fast forward, 32 weeks into Sarah's pregnancy, she had started getting contractions, and about 24 hours later, she gives birth to a beautiful baby boy two weeks prior to her due date. When the fetus was removed from Sarah's womb, a team of doctors examined the infant's exterior physicalities and discovered that the infant's right leg had normal movement but on his left leg, a slight clubbed foot was present. The doctors said the clubbed foot wasn't anything to be too concerned about due to the flexibility in his hips and the range of motion on his left and right side would be enough to where he would be able to walk normally. Next, a postnatal MRI was done, which revealed that the Arnold Chiari type 2 malformation was no longer present and there was no hydrocephalus. This brings us to the outlook that what that spina bifida has and what Sarah's newborn baby's life will consist of from here on. Generally speaking, the outlook for any individual with spina bifida depends on the number and severity of the complications. Statistical data declares that without surgery, myelomeningocele has a 50% mortality rate, and with surgery, more than 95% of patients will also survive to the age of 2, and 85% to 90% will survive to the age of 6. Luckily, at 12 months, Sarah's baby boy ended up hitting all of his one-year milestones, but was still watched closely each year after to make sure that his development progressed at a normal rate. The sad truth is that not all people end up having an outcome like Sarah's, where many children with spina bifida will live with learning disabilities, physical impairities, neurodevelopmental disorders, behavioral problems, and excessive weight gain. While throughout the life of most spina bifida patients, an integrative technique, including orthopedic surgery, urology, social workers, neuropsych services, and social support systems are necessary in order for the patient to meet their physical, mental, and emotional needs. Because Sarah received early gestation fetal surgical repair of a severe form of spina bifida, 
There was no more signs of fluid in the brain, and it was caught and repaired early enough to where she saved her baby from requiring to wear a lifelong shunt and saved his neurological function. Through the pa- through this patient's case scenario based podcast, you should now be able to confidently understand and discuss what spina bifida is, its causes, its diagnosis, treatment, and lifelong outlook. I am also very excited to announce that each new podcast will be filled with increasingly complex situational-based scenarios where you, the listener, can help us predict the outcomes of each case, and we may even bring in some special guests along the way. Thank you so much for listening to the world of anatomy and physiology, and you will most definitely not want to miss what is in store for next episode. (laughs) 